Welcome back to the John Krasinski Show, starring, of course, John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. This is our basketball show at TalkNorth.com. If you like the show or any show at TalkNorth.com, please subscribe to your favorite podcast apps. free. It's the easiest way to listen. We do appreciate it. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Brandon Morton is our producer. And John, uh, struck me today as I was prepping for the show how rare it is to do any show about the Timberwolves in the last... I don't know, 18 years and be disappointed, like be almost surprised and disappointed. They lost to a good team on the road. Uh, The bar has, the bar has been moved. Uh, They lost to a good team, a well-coached team, a really talented team on the road. And I was like, God, what the heck's going on here? Why, how can they play like this? Uh, Expectations have changed here that, you know, that it's not that they, I'm not going to defend the way they played. They played lousy, but it is, very in a very interesting shift for Timberwolves fans to be allowed to be disappointed by that kind of a loss. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I, it it is indicative of where they have gone for the first couple of months here, and just the the expectations that have been raised. Um, you know, when you look at the performance in totality, I mean, in an eighty two game season, there's going to be games where they just a team doesn't have it. They're slow footed. Uh, they don't execute. Um, all of the things that happened against Oklahoma City and the Thunder made them pay for it at every step. Um, but I do think like they're the Wolves fans have gotten so used to being excited watching this team play that when a dud happens, as it did against Oklahoma City, it is a big letdown because I think that there's just this anticipation for games now on a nightly basis by virtue of the first 28 games of the regular season. And so I think everyone kind of come off coming off of Christmas went into that one saying, all right, let's see what happens here. Showdown against the number three team in the West. And they were just beaten uh, every which way you can be beaten. And I think people were a little bit uh, crestfallen by that because it just is so uh, uncharacteristic of what this team has been all season long. No doubt about it. Now, and once again, I'm not going to excuse their performance. I thought they were lousy. I thought it was bad body language. They didn't move their feet. They didn't move the ball. They didn't play defense the way they're capable of. Uh, when you see that from this team that has raised expectations, do you see any red flags or do you just say, hey, in an 82-game season, you're going to have a couple of clunkers? Yeah, in, in in my big picture view, at least right now, is this is just a clunker, you know, that you do have to give, I think, this team a bit of a benefit of the doubt because they have earned it with the way that they have played and how consistent they have been that every once in a while you're going to have one. Like, look, there there are a few excuses to go over. Um, Carl Anthony Towns just didn't look like himself uh, coming back from that left knee soreness. He was not anywhere near as quick or explosive or on point as he has been on both ends of the floor. Uh, Last night against the Thunder, he was kind of chasing on defense and his decision-making on offense was not great either. Um, Then you have, you know, you had the Christmas break for them um, and it just, you know, there was just a bunch of things in there that you say, okay, just flush this down the toilet and move on. That said, I do think that, when you look at the number the the wolves losses in totality, if there is a pattern emerging in the games that they have the most trouble, it does seem like 
they if they get lured into a shootout, if they sort of have an opponent that is playing at a fast pace, is knocking down shots and 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 kind of wants to turn this thing into a track meet, that's where they do struggle the most. Uh, it was Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City with all the threes that the Thunder hit with kind of the fast pace that they were playing at. It was uh, Sacramento at home spreading the wolves out, them getting hot from three and really kind of turning it into a shooting contest. And then Atlanta was another one where in the second half of that game, when the wolves are up 21, the Hawks just really started hitting every shot that they, that they took and really getting up and down, turning the wolves over. And, um, and the wolves had trouble kind of hanging with the Hawks in that regard. So it does seem like if the wolves need to win a game where you're just flat out outscoring teams, that's where they struggle the most right now. The The offense has been middling for most of the year. And so if their defense is not locked in and clicking, um, then, and you know, they, they're going to have trouble keeping up with teams from pure shooting perspective. And I think that's what we saw last night. And so that is something that you want to see them address going forward, whether it's doing things differently offensively, whether it's making a trade to add some more offensive firepower. I do think that's one thing that is more of a red flag um, than, than just, you know, I ah, don't worry about this. This was just one bad game. Yeah. And it's also really interesting to see Anthony Edwards try to find the right balance between being a forceful top scorer in the league and being somebody who can really stifle the ball movement of the offense by trying to go one on one or one on four, one on five, whatever it is. Um, you know, he's, he's a very good passer. He's usually a willing passer, but you can also see him sometimes think, okay, I got to take over here. And boy, you like that your star can do that, but it can also shut down any flow of your offense. Yeah. I th- it's a great point, Jim. Cause I do think that when we get into those types of scenarios and games where you see the Timberwolves, uh, needing to just score a bunch of points um, where the, the other team is really hot, hitting a lot of shots. That's when it seems like Anthony Edwards starts to press a little bit more than normal. Um, you know, he, I think last night really did try to take it upon himself to keep the team in the game and to score a bunch of points to get to the basket. Um, and he, you saw him just kind of, forcing things a lot more now he he does go through stretches and games where he looks for his own shot and he's aggressive but I thought it was different against the thunder it seemed like he was really kind of dribbling into traffic yep um a lot more and and it was like you said it was stifling the ball movement I mean there were there were times and opportunities for him to get off the ball, get it moving around and see if you could generate an, a, a better shot and a better look. And it just seemed like Edwards was plowing forward. Now he got to the free throw line a lot. Um, he was effective that way. He scored 25 points, but I think in general that approach really did kind of make it more difficult for the rest of his team to get into a rhythm. And, um, and, and and that was counterproductive as the game went along. So, what kind of a threat is Oklahoma City? Uh, we're looking because the Wolves now hey, they're the number one seed right now. They're going to be playing meaningful games. I think the the initial hope or expectation was they'd be a 
somebody who can be a top four seed. They're certainly in play for that. Now Oklahoma City is one of those teams standing in their way. How much of a threat are they and how much of a threat are they compared to other top Western teams? Yeah, I, I think they are one of the the, the most uh, dangerous teams for the Wolves um, in, in the Western Conference. When you look at everything that they do well, um, you know, they they are incredibly well coached. Mark Dagnalt is a is is kind of an under the radar, really good coach in this league, because even Jim last year or the year, you know, it, last year, especially, let's say where they were not winning games at this clip that they are this year, they still were executing their game plan at a very high level every time that they took the floor. And you could tell that they were listening to their coach and that they were, had their roles defined and a real sense of identity that was going to serve them well in the long run. Now, this season, you get Chet Holmgren uh, added. Lou Dort is shooting uh, from three, just a, a great percentage. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a megastar, one of the top five to eight players in this league. Um, and so they just have a lot of really good pieces to throw at you. If there is a weakness... It is they are undersized and the Wolves exploited that in the in this in their first matchup of the season and and kind of played a little bit more bully ball. But um, but they mitigate that size uh, disadvantage with really good ball movement, with really fast decision making, um, sharp cuts, things of that nature. And so if I'm handicapping the field in the Western Conference, I think Denver is is the, the the stiffest competition, but I might put Oklahoma City right at number two for the Wolves, just in in the way that they are relentless um, and they, they don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, for a young team, they play with poise and, um, and, and, and with composure, and, and they have just a lot of talent. So um, in that regard, when you look at, you know, you go down to Oklahoma City, a, a, a very one of the tougher arenas to play in the league uh, the day after Christmas. Maybe you're moving a little a little slower after spending some time with the family the previous few days. If you don't go uh, up against the Thunder and, and, and if you're not completely locked into the game plan and completely ready to go, you are going to get beat. So it's not a bad loss. But that is a team that they need to look at as very formidable in this, you know, Western Conference race. And the other thing, Jim, with the Thunder is uh, they have so many draft assets available to them that they've stockpiled over the last three to four years that if they want to go out and make a trade to add a piece, whether it's size or rebounding or shot blocking or whatever it is um, to their uh, to their roster, they can go out and do it. And they have the ammunition to make that happen. So the, the Thunder team that we are looking at right now may not even be like the fully realized Thunder product that you see in the middle of February into March into April. And so um, that's a team that needs to be taken seriously in the Western Conference that um, that the, that that has the potential to make life difficult for the Timberwolves in a game, in a playoff series, and um, and they're legit for sure. Let's revisit John's uh, interesting observation that the team might need more offense. First, though, we want to let you know we're coming from Aquarius Home Services Studio and also want you to 
Remember this very familiar number, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, call that number. They will help you. They will not charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. That's why they're such a great success story. Uh, we've really been honored to uh, work with TSR Injury Law. Love Steve Terry and his team, and we trust them completely. Uh, you'll be in good hands if you ever need their particular kind of help, 612-TSR-TIME. also want to thank my State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland, H-O-A-G-L-U-N-D. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. Here's the deal. When you combine State Farm home and auto insurance, you save an average of $889 a year. My agency is ready to help you combine home and auto and start saving today. Call 763-421-4900 to start saving. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now, John, tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, great brewery, um, excellent location right off of Hennepin Avenue and near 35W. Uh, head down there for your New Year's Eve or New Year's Day plans. They have a Vikings watch party on New Year's Eve from 5 to 8.30. They help everyone recover with all of your New Year's Eve shenanigans on New Year's Day. They'll be serving from 1 to 6 p.m. So if you need a little uh, recovery, a little hair of the dog the next day after, after a big night out, um, go to Head Flyer Brewing. They'll have food. They'll have great beers. You can go and watch the Vikings game, have a great time um, watching that, and and just uh, revel with some friends. Ring in the new year with Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. So you mentioned, you know, maybe they need a little more offense. I, I'm really fascinated by that idea because I, I looked at this roster and I've been I've allowed myself to look at this roster as pretty close to a finished product. Uh, they're excellent defensively. They have you know two all-star offensive players and Ant. And Carl uh, McDaniels is very capable offensively. Gobert is at least doing his job offensively. So where do you think they could, would, or should add to this group offensively? Yeah, if you look at it, so right now today they are 17th in the league in offensive efficiency. And so, you know, even being number one in defense, you still want to see that that um, that offense go up if you really want to have a chance to go deep into the playoffs. Um, and, and so where can they do that? There's a couple of, there's a couple of areas that they can explore to make additions, tweaks, changes, um, that would help them, I believe in kind of keeping up with some of the more explosive offenses out there. And first and foremost is they are 24th in the league in three-point attempts per game. They're shooting 31.5 per night. And that is difficult when you are facing teams like the Kings or let's say the Thunder just on a heater the other night. Um, when, when teams are making it rain from three on you, uh, you got to be able to kind of fight fire with fire. And so having some sort of movement shooter off of the bench that would help increase the volume of three pointers taken, I think would, would be very helpful. You know, just, just like we were thinking like what Malik Beasley was for this team when he was here as just a complete flamethrower off of the bench, sometimes in the starting lineup that can spread the floor and has to be respected um, from, you know, as, as a shooter would, um, would be an advantage for them and would help breathe some more space into the offense would open some things up 
for your drivers uh, a little bit more. And so you could either go out and find someone on the trade market that way, or it could come internally in terms of, you know, Carl Anthony Towns should be shooting more threes than he does. He took two against the Thunder. Um, you want to see a number like six, seven, eight threes per game for Towns because he's so good at it. And and the Wolves have a, such a need for that volume. And so maybe there's, a, you know, ways to kind of, generate more three-point looks for Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe there's going to be ways to kind of convince him that, hey, your driving game is very, uh, very potent, but we need a little bit more. We need you to pull the trigger from behind the arc a little bit more than you are, something like that. So that would help in that way. Um, and so if you they can raise their volume, because they shoot it, Jim, they actually shoot, let's see here, let me find it, um, a really good percentage from three. Uh, yeah, they're eighth in the league from three-point percentage. They're shooting 38% from beyond the arc. They're just not shooting enough of them right now. Now, the one reason that that hasn't really hurt them so far is that they do a great job also of limiting three-point attempts from the opponents. So um, last night against the Thunder was actually an anomaly for, for the Timberwolves in terms of you know, a team that got up a bunch of threes and made a bunch of threes. The Wolves are seventh in the league in um, in in opponent three-point attempts, just 33 per game against them. And so to see a team shoot 40, 45 threes against them, that's that's a rarity. And so, but but I I think that they really just do need to look at finding ways to breathe more threes into their offense so that they can so they can can compete and keep up with these guys the other thing that i would like to see um or is a possibility is more of just a, your traditional kind of bucket getter um off of the bench um someone who can come in and just just fill it up and and it doesn't necessarily have to be threes maybe it's mid-range maybe it's getting to the basket it's really finding what they thought shake milton was going to be mm-hmm. and what he has not been to this point um, when you have Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kyle Anderson and coming off of the bench, uh, Nikhil is, uh, is not your traditional bucket getter. He can hit some threes, um, it, you know, in, in the right situations, but he's not a, an offensive minded player. Kyle Anderson is really struggling from a scoring standpoint, yeah. a shooting standpoint. So they need someone else to step up, whether it's shake finding his game or whether they go out and find someone else who can come in and just, fill it up for you when the defense is struggling hey let's just convert to we're going to score a bunch of points a lou williams type of a player jamal crawford type of a player off of the bench that would be ideal to helping them as well yes great points what do you what do you think's going on with shake milton you know it just he just doesn't seem comfortable um you know here when you watch him play everything is slow and hesitant and tentative. And when he was at his best in Philadelphia, particularly when he was starting, um, it was decisive. It was quick. It was, um, it was confident. And, you know, uh, he just, I think he came here expecting to have a big role in the offense. And when the shots were not falling early, 
it sort of snowballed on him. And so now it got to a point before he was essentially removed from the rotation that every shot that he was taking, especially his jump shots, you could just almost see him aiming the ball at the, at the rim and just kind of hoping that it goes in. There was not any sort of flow to his, to his offense. That wasn't a player who was, you know, playing free and easy. It was, please make this, please make this, please make this. And so there does seem to be some sort of, uh, uh, crisis of confidence for him. And I don't know exactly why that is because the Timberwolves in training camp were speaking very highly of him. He looked good in the preseason and it was clear that they wanted to give him a big role with that second unit and kind of leading the way that way. And, and they were trying to empower him. They were trying to help him, you know, show more of his playmaking and, and do a lot of those things. And, it just got off to such a bad start that I think that he has been trying to, he, he looks like a player who's trying to make five shots every time he, he lets one go. And so if he's in his head a little bit or, or what um, I'm not exactly sure, but um, it's been a situation where Chris Finch has tried to stay with him as long as possible and just has had to remove him essentially from the rotation because he is not doing enough of the things offensively that make him a, a, an effective player. So um, I don't know how you get him back on track. I don't know what it is that would get him into a rhythm, but right now it, it just looks like a guy who is a little bit lost in, in, in how to find his spots in this offense. And, um, and it's been a big detriment to, to the Timberwolves bench to this point in the season. No doubt about it. All right, let's get to everybody's favorite topic, officiating. First, I want to let you know that uh, all Energy Solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. That's whether you're talking about home, office, or both. Find out about more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach, or just go to allenergysolar.com. You'll find everything you need to know about the subject and their company. Uh, and now let's hear John's infamous Manscaped commercial. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's a ball trimmer sent from space. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC. High-tech for low places, Manscaped. Every man knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Inside this package, you'll find the star of the show, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Their fifth-generation trimmer features two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. We also have dual LED spotlights to provide contrast on multiple skin tones, three length setting combs, and oh, did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Taking it on the go, Manscaped has you covered. This puppy comes with a travel case and even a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering and or weird looks in the airport. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. 
So I hate talking about officiating. I think it's kind of a loser's lament. You know, you're, if your team doesn't play well enough, you can always find a call that went against your team. So I try not to get into it too much. But it is really interesting to watch this league right now. The league is incredibly popular. It's incredibly successful. Uh, the the level of play is incredibly high. The the players are fantastic. It's it's just it's a great league. And the one thing that annoys me when watching this league is the fact that looks to me like any offensive player who has won over the officials can get any call he wants almost any time he wants just by acting a certain way. And then the call that makes me the craziest in this league is when the offensive player forces contact Yes, and gets the call. It, mm-hmm. it, it, so often we're seeing the offensive player run over the defender or, or, you know, throw his arms into the defender's arms. The offensive player is creating the contact and the defensive player is getting the foul call, it's making me nuts. Yeah, it, it's it's a difficult thing to officiate. It I is. will say that. But it's also, I agree with you, it's the biggest problem with the league in terms of the way the game is called right now. And Steve Kerr had a big rant about it um, after the, the Warriors lost to the Nuggets. And, and Jokic, I think, took like 18 free throws or something like that. Um you know, we have seen it. The Wolves fans have seen it with Joel Embiid and the way that he goes about uh, playing the game. We've seen it with Trey Young or Luka Doncic or so many of these players. Shea Gilgis Alexander, to a lesser degree, is one of them too. Um, there is, there's got to be a better way of officiating the game, and. And 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 doing it in a way that that promotes offense because I do think that offensive basketball is good for the fan and viewer experience, opening things up, having games in the one hundreds, um, making there be plenty of space, plenty of air, um, you know, not having it be the you know football on the court is a good thing for the product overall. It helps them make it a more beautiful game. But there isn't really anything beautiful about a player running into uh, a defender or even worse, Jim, I hate the ones that are, there's just a little incidental contact yep. that is initiated and it's a glancing blow and and, and, and the, the offensive player just baits the referee into a call. And... And when you turn it into a free throw shooting contest, that's not fun for anyone to watch. And it's not fun for any viewer to absolutely be able to recognize that referees are getting duped like on a on a possession by possession basis. And this should game should be more about the talent of the individuals playing it than their ability to manipulate a referee into a call. And, um, and so I do think that's bad for the game. Now it's very difficult for officials in the heat of the moment, you know, in real time with as big and strong as fast as these guys are to sometimes recognize that sort of thing. And Steve Kerr's point was that the NBA has definitely kind of instructed officials to call it tighter that way. And so it's not, the, the officials are just doing what they've been told, but, um, yeah, I hate it. Like, I hate watching Joel Embiid hunt fouls the way that he does and flop around the way that he does. 
as a 7-1, 280-pound dude who's just a physical specimen. You know, I one of the redeeming qualities to this point of the Timberwolves season has been that they're not a team that really does feel like they try to trick you very much with officials. Um, Anthony Edwards just goes to the basket. He doesn't normally get calls, but he just goes and he's not doing a lot of flailing and flopping. Carl Anthony Towns will do it sometimes. He'll fall to the fall to the ground, but he's reduced that a lot. Um, you know, Jaden McDaniels doesn't do it. Mike Conley doesn't do it, um, except for when he's you know uh, navigating screens on the other end of the court. Um, so I just think that it, it there needs to be some conversation within the league about the level that it's gotten to because you can see the animosity rise in fans as they're watching it. And they're like, you know, this is not, this is BS. Like this is terrible. And, and I think that whenever you make the way the game is called a central part of your product, that's bad for the game. And so I would love to see some sort of adjustments made to the way that that play, the, lowering your shoulder and initiating contact with the defender is adjudicated. And it doesn't mean you have to call an offensive foul. It could just be a no call. It can, right. You don't have to call everything. Just let that go as incidental contact and, and, and play on. I think that would be much more compelling. Uh, agreed. And these, these are incredible athletes and they can, you know, they can survive a brush across the forearm. Uh, they can, I just, I want to see, and this is dangerous, and this is why it's so difficult. I want to see more spirit of the rule calls and fewer letter of the rule calls. Because if you go by letter of the law, then you have to call foul every time there's big contact. You have to call foul when a, a shooter gets his wrist touched barely. But the spirit of the of the rules should be what matters, which is you know give if you're going to call a foul, give it to the person who created the the situation. And understand that these players can play through a certain amount of contact without it affecting their shots. And also, like, ev everything about this game right now is about offense. Mm -hmm. And the, the NBA, again, like, the NBA was smart to sort of reconfigure, let's say, mid-2000s-ish and get away from 78 to 75 NBA finals games. That's smart. Like that, that, it, that was a good idea to change the way that the game is officiated to allow for more offense to come in. Um, good job, but there can be an overcorrection. And I th think we have gotten to that point now where it is overcorrecting because if everything is skewed toward the offense, what as a defender are you supposed to do yep. in some of these cases? Like, I mean, we've just seen it so many times of, you know, there is a, a big man who is just pounding into someone in the post and, and just bulldozing through them gets the call and the foul. Giannis gets a lot of these calls as well. Um, and you are just like, I don't even know what 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 it is, and um and so I I don't know the exact answer to it, but I do know that the way that it the the evolution of that particular um, confrontation or however you want to term it has gotten to the point where it's like all right enough is enough here a little bit let's give the defense a little bit of a chance against these supremely 
supremely gifted offensive players. Like there have never been, there's never been a point in the NBA's history where so many players have such, so much ability to put the ball in the basket. And so we've got to get to a point where we recognize that and give these defenders at least some chance to make it tougher on them and, and make these games a little bit more defensive in nature than they have become. And here's the other thing, the problem with calling uh, to giving the benefit to offensive player, pl- players who are simply trying to draw fouls is you end up with foul trouble on key players. I mean, I was, I, I was really looking yes. forward to that 76ers game and Embiid basically, you know, drew a couple of BS fouls against Gobert and all of a sudden this epic matchup is reduced to just Joe Embiid getting to do whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to see um offensive players just you know being able to get manhandled and abused and 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 that but but you're right like whenever um the referees interject themselves onto the game and and take players out of the game with a tight whistle that way uh it's a detriment to the fan experience because you're right they everyone paid going to that sixers wolves game to see gobert and Embiid go head to head you know, one of the best defensive player of the year, leader leader against the MVP of the league. Let's see what let's see what their physical gifts and talents can do for each other. Maybe Embiid would have eaten and Gobert up either way, or maybe Gobert, given at least a little bit of latitude, would have been able to make things really difficult on Embiid. And that kind of chess match is is what everyone wants to watch. They don't want to watch. Some ticky tack, you know, touch fouls get called, and Gobert having to go to the bench. And then when he comes back in the game, he's having to give Embiid two feet um, of, of space so he doesn't get another call against him. And so Embiid is just taking free throw line jumper after free throw line jumper, and to his credit, burying them and 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 playing really well. But um, so often it you, you, oh, here's what I just want a fair fight. Like I want a fair fight between the defensive player and the offensive player. And way too often this season and really for the last few seasons, it just doesn't seem like a fair fight. And that is a frustrating thing for the players to experience and a frustrating thing for fans to watch. No doubt about it. Let's get a final thought from John. Once again, thank you for listening. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, check out John on the Viking Update show. Check out also all of our other sports, outdoor, and variety shows at talknorth.com. All right, John, wrap up the show with a thought on anything you like. Yeah, I mean, the Wolves come back home now um, for games against Dallas on Thursday, against the Lakers on Saturday, who I, I believe LeBron will play in that Lakers game after he missed the one uh, you know earlier this month. And really wrapping up the 2023 year with two really good games. And one thing, so one thing that we have, you know, while talking about their offensive struggles uh, to this, to this point and, and, and the, the difficulties that they had against Oklahoma city, the other thing that needs to be pointed out so far is that what, what, the the there has been that pattern in their losses but the larger pattern has been you know what the wolves make it very difficult for teams to get to the parameters where they are winning games against the wolves they've done a great job 
defensively limiting threes, doing all of those things. They're also still the only team that has yet to lose back-to-back games this season. So I expect them to kind of bounce back against Dallas on Thursday, um, but they're still in the meat of this very difficult stretch of games. And I do think that they could use kind of two emphatic wins against Dallas and, and Los Angeles at home to sort of just get their mojo back a little bit after a, 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 a an ugly loss in Oklahoma City, maybe a few days off and a little Christmas malaise. Um, just get back to doing what they have been doing for most of the season and setting it, setting that tone defensively and see where they are. And then if you know, they're 23, 24, and 7 after that, I think everyone will be feeling pretty good about where they are. Thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. Thank you for listening this week. We'll be back next week with the Giant Presidency Show.